Wow, tremendous. Packing it out this morning. Just wonderful to be in a church where we're identifying with growing and wonderful things happening and new people and all this is going to be happening in Eltham and Welling and, and tonight there's a whole crowd being introduced to the church who have come through DNA membership as well, which is really exciting. Um, you don't get to see everything. Some of us have the privilege to travel around a bit and see everything, which is really exciting as well. So it's wonderful. Um, we're going to be looking this morning at our side-by-side series, and I've entitled this morning, this is part four of our series, Being Added, and because this is Membership Sunday, um, I would love to just tie in with what we're doing today and talk to you about what it means to be added into the local church. If you're visiting from another church this morning, uh, hopefully if you're there, part of that church, some of this will resonate with you as well. Um, so I'm hoping this morning that we'll be able to catch something of God's heart for us in terms of what we've just seen happen here this morning with these people coming forward and saying, yeah, I'm going to commit to the, to the local church. And um, this is not unusual. This is not strange. This is normal Christianity. And if it's something that you've never done before, obviously this morning I'm hoping to encourage you to do so um, as well. Uh, this series, we're looking at the family of God. We're looking at what it means to be a local church. And that when you become a Christian, it's God's will for every Christian to be added into the local church. There's no such thing as a lone, independent Christian with no fixed abode. Um, unfortunately, there are an awful lot of Christians you find that that summary is just exactly that summarizes their life. I used to say to people at the end of meetings as I travel around, uh, and their visitors, so which church do you go to? Um, I now have rephrased that. I say, which church are you a member of? Those two things I go to and I'm a member of are two quite different things there. There is no such thing as a Christian who's not a member of a church, who's not joined and added to a local church community. Silly illustration, but one that seems to always stay in the minds of people, is that you have a body, and your body has many parts. We'll see some verses about that in a moment. How weird it would have been this morning if a member of your body had decided they weren't going to come with you today. So if I have a, my little finger is somewhat independent, a bit of a lone voice, and it decided this morning as my body awoke and I was thinking I'm going to a new community, my little finger said, well, you can go, but I'm not coming with you. I mean, how bizarre and how stupid that would, why do I keep doing that? How bizarre and stupid that would be. But that is almost as crazy as someone who is not joined and added to the body, to the church, that you're just independent and you're a lone Christian, it's you and Jesus. Or you might say, well, I'm generally a member of the universal church, which is kind of like saying I'm generally into the gym. I mean, if you're generally into the gym, it means you must have a gym where you have a membership and you pay money and you join to. Or if you say I am into politics, there are one or two people in this nation, still are, into politics, and I'm just politically, I'm kind of thoughtful. Well, at the end of the day, that has to land somewhere. It means that I am not only into politics, but under this kind of politics, I'm part of this party, I'm going to vote this kind of way. And in the same way, it's crazy to say, well, I'm just generally a Christian. I'm, I'm kind of part of the universal. Now, you are part of the universal church of Jesus. 
all brothers and sisters everywhere, but it has to be earthed. It has to be an address. It has to be where are you particularly joined to in the local church. And I want to look this morning in these few moments about why do I need to become a member and not just an attender. I want to just right at the outset just share with you some scriptures that indicate how important it is to be from attending to being added and to being joined. So let's go to Acts chapter 2, our go-to passage. You've already heard this chapter read out to you and preached from already in this series, so I'm not going to do that, but I'm just going to remind us of what this says. And they devoted themselves. It's kind of hard to be devoted to something that you're not a part of. You're kind of not devoted if you're not a part of it. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers... And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles, and all who believed were together. Notice the word awe keeps coming, and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So if you're being saved, if you're saved, you're added. That's the next stage. It's not that you're saved and left alone. It's not that you've just been born as a baby and abandoned on the doorstep, and we hope you do all right. You need to be fed. You need to be clothed. You need to be protected. So This is the principle of scripture. The moment you're saved, God's will is that you then become added to a local community. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says this. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Did you know you've been baptized into people? So I got baptized into water. Yes, you did. But you also got baptized into a people, into a community. Uh, It's one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Some people say to me, well, I don't see membership in the Bible. Uh, we're getting really close to all these references to being members of something, aren't we? You know, and this comes again and again in Scripture, how important that is. I'm not just a part of the body, I'm a member of the body, and I don't do my own thing, but I do what everyone else does. In fact, I can only do what I do as a member of the body because there are many other members, and when they're all playing their part, then I'm able to play my part. I can't do this on my own. It's not you and Jesus are going to change the world. But you and Jesus and a body of people that you're joined together with many, many different gifts and abilities, maybe, just maybe, we can change the world. As we hold hands together around the globe, it's happening more and more. Romans 12, verse 4. For as in one body we have many... Come on. I'll read it again. For as in one body we have many... And the... Do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually (laughs) one of another. I think this is just just to pause for a moment. A a cult 
is something that you join and lose your individuality. That's the whole point. You just get cloned into something. That's not the local church. Notice the phrase, individually, members of one another. I love that. The more you join a church, you don't lose your individuality. You actually become more and more of an individual, but you do lose your independence. They're two very, very different things. So never think by joining a church, oh, they're going to clone me. You know, I'm not going to be the same as I used to be. I used to have fun, and now I'm a member of a church. It's not going to happen that way. Or I once had this wonderful aspiration, and I once had this wonderful gift. It's through being a member of the church, your treasure in you, and the gifts that you've given to you, and, and the abilities you've got are enhanced and become even more individualistic, if you like. But there is a difference between, say, individually, members of one another. Ephesians 4, 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let us, each one of you, speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. There's another verse in, in Romans 12, 10. In the NIV, it just says, be devoted to one another in love. So this morning, I... I've been, when I've been preparing this, I am going to be slightly provocative because I don't want us to sit through this series going like this. For those of you on the tape listening, I'm doing this. So it's like, <laughs> it's, as you, it's as you go through this, this, this whole series, you see, we can get to the end, the series will end. And honestly, if it's made no difference, if there's been no movement from anybody, then we've failed miserably in our approach to this, because actually it's about joining. So I do want to be slightly provocative this morning, but I'm going to try and do it in a kind of fatherly way. And I actually, this morning, I have actually one of my grandchildren here this morning, which is very unusual. I'm even going to do it in a grandfatherly kind of way. So what's the process of being a member? How do you get added into a local church. And if you are part of a local church, I want this morning to be a bit of a reminder of what it means to be part of the local church. I think some of us need a bit of a reality check. Is my membership now a name on the list? Really? Or am I still a functioning member of this community? Do I still live out what I have joined to be a part of? Side by side. And so we see that there is a process of being added to the local church community. And we read it there in Acts, 2, Acts 4 and verse 47. The first part of the process is to be saved. You can't be added to a local church community unless you have been saved. Acts 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Romans 10, verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we saw then Acts that these people from the day of Pentecost onwards were saved. In fact, when the gospel was proclaimed, the first thing they said was, what must we do to be saved? 
And the answer was, repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You cannot be added unless you are saved. Now, some of you are sitting, now, David, this is so fundamental and basic. But I think in a few moments you'll see why it's not just fundamental. This is a key issue for many, many people. There is no side door. I remember a guy many years ago who was becoming part of this church because his, his, his wife and his daughter had been saved on Alpha. <clears throat> so he went on Alpha and he just loved the church. He really, really did love the church. He loved all the people. People really loved him. And he, he, I remember him saying to me, I, I really want to be part of this. And, and, I, and I, do I really have to be saved, he said. I said, we need to go back on Alpha again and discover whether that is an important thing for you or not. You can't get in through the side door. And eventually, the guy actually did get saved, by the way, and then got added into the church community because there's no other way that you can do this. And so to be saved is this. Let's get clear just for a moment. Salvation is this, that you come to a place in your life Forget everybody else, where you hear the gospel message about Jesus who is the Son of God, about Jesus who came to this earth for you, that you have a problem with relating to a holy God which is called sin. Sin is the thing that cuts you off from God. If you don't believe in sin, then you can't be saved. There's nothing to be saved from. And if you want to know what sin is, it's everything short of perfection. So the, 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 the line is perfection. Anything that comes short of that is sin. When you explain that to people, they go, I think I might have a problem with sin. That's what it is. And so once you realize that you are a sinner because you're not perfect and you, don't, you think things are perfect, you don't do things are perfect, you realize you have sin, you then have a problem because you don't know how to get rid of the sin, and you can't get rid of the sin. The only way you get rid of the sin is to put your faith in a saviour, Jesus, who has come to save you from his sin. How did he do that? He died on the cross. His blood was shed, and his blood means forgiveness of sin. So when you believe in Jesus, and you put your trust in what he's done on the cross, and you by faith do this, for the first time in your life, you know forgiveness from sin and you become a child of God. You repent of your sin. You believe in Jesus. And this is a very simplistic thing, but it's just, it's just me trying to explain to you in a couple of minutes what it means to be saved. I am saved from my sin. And the result of being saved from your sin is that you get born again. The spirit of eternity comes to live in you, an imperishable seed. You become a new creation. You become a child of God. You know that he's your heavenly father. God's no longer distant, but he is now close to you. And you have intimacy with him through the blood of Jesus. And this is the entry point into being added into the body of Christ. There is no person who is a functioning member of the body of Christ anywhere in the world that hasn't first known that I'm saved. Listen, and you know that you are. There's no doubt about it. You know that you're saved. <clears throat> Something that God has done on the inside. You can't save yourself and no one else can save you. The Bible says that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You can't stop being dead unless someone else makes you alive. 
You can't make yourself alive. It says in Ephesians, but thanks be to God, through his great mercy, he has made us alive together with Christ. How many of you are church kids? Would you like to put your hand up? That means you were, you, you're, you were raised in a Christian family. Okay, that's the majority of people here today. Some of you not so. If you, if, some of your mums and dads are sitting behind you right now. You need to just double check that you are being raised in a Christian family. Church kids. I just want to address this. I'm one of them. Raised in church. It's so great to be raised in a Christian family. It really is brilliant. Most friends that I know that were not raised in a Christian family wish that they were. And some of us who ultimately rebelled about being raised in the Christian family now look back and are so grateful that we were raised in a Christian family. Here's the deal. That doesn't save you. It doesn't make you a Christian that you were raised in a Christian family. You can't get saved on your parents' ticket or someone else's ticket. And you can't just drift in. And you can't be just vague about Christianity and whether or not I'm a Christian. See, the problem when you're a church kid is that you're raised, and this thing I just said about the gospel, it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. You're so close to it, it, goes, it, it breeds over-familiarity. And here's the massive danger. And parents, you need to listen up now. Because if you've got kids that are smaller, they're going to have to face this. It's so close to you that you miss the wonder of it. Let me tell you, if you are a Christian today and you were raised in a Christian family, you are a miracle. Because you didn't get saved because you were raised in a Christian family. And you hear testimonies, don't you, of people who got wonderfully saved from their drug addiction and their drink problem and they were sleeping around and it was just horrendous darkness and then they got saved. And then we say to you, would you like to give your testimony? Think, my testimony sounds so boring. I was raised in a Christian family and at the age of five I gave my life to Jesus. Listen, <laughs> that testimony, if you, if you are born again, is as great a miracle as the person that was a million miles away from God. If you're a million miles away from God, you're dead in your judgment sins. If you're raised in a Christian family, you're just as dead as that person. So you don't have a boring testimony. There's no such thing as a boring testimony. There are only miracles that happen of dead people being made alive. I've had the privilege over the last few years, it's been a tremendous part of my life. I'm being really honest. I said I was going to be provocative. Of, of, of spending many of, much of my life with what I would call people from an African Christian culture. But sometimes when I talk to kids raised in this culture, I get troubled. I say to them, when were you saved? I mean, it's a good question. When were you saved? And so many from an African Christian culture background say, well, I was raised Christian. No, 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 that's not the question I was asking you. He said, well, I was raised Christian. Yeah, but when were you saved? Well, I was raised Christian. But when were you? But I was raised Christian. It's kind of like, no, 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 you've misheard me. And I really want to press this home that as parents, whatever culture we come from, our responsibility, first off, is to show our children that they are not born again. It's weird, isn't it? The part of our responsibility is to lead our children to the place where they know that they need Jesus. 
When Liz and I were raising our kids, it was part of our passion that as young as possible they would know that they're not born again because they've been raised in our family. Because they needed to come to know Jesus for himself. For themselves. Every church kid needs to know that they've been saved or know that they are not. My testimony is I was raised in a Christian family and I can remember at the age of five or six making the decision that I'd never give my life to Jesus. Seriously. So I wasn't one of those nice little goody people like you lot who gave your life to Jesus. And by the way, that's a, that can be a very, very totally valid experience. That as a young child, you can give your life to Jesus and it's the real deal. But I knew that I wasn't going to do this. And spent my life rebelling against that. Until I got to the place where I realized my rebellion was against being in a Christian family. I just didn't like it. Why? My parents are Christians. I'm not going to become a Christian. Until I realized my rebellion was against religion and churchianity. And it never actually was against Jesus and the gospel. And as a late teenager, I had to humble myself to realize that that is the case. Do you know, I had one little advantage as I was being raised up, and it was this. At least I knew I wasn't a Christian. That sounds strange, but it was actually really helpful. Are you a Christian? No. Nope. Do you enjoy coming to church? I hate it. It's just, how many times do you go on Sunday? Four, five times. You, is there anything about it you like? No, nothing, absolutely nothing. Apart from mucking about with all my friends at the back of the meeting as much as we possibly could and causing as much distress to people who are around us. Someone actually in Sunday school said to me, you're such a rebel, you're such bad news, why do you come? I said, because my parents make me. <laughs> but I got saved. Not because of my upbringing. I mean, it had parts to play with it, but because there came a moment when I said in my own, I need salvation for myself. Some of you can't remember when you got saved. Not properly. That doesn't matter. What matters now is you know that you are. And you're able to say, I know that I'm saved. Or I know that I'm not. Can I just throw in one little thing? This is where the issue of assurance is a big part of scripture. We don't teach much about this. People who are saved have this thing called assurance. We just know. It's hard to quantify it. But it's an assurance within us that we know that we are saved. I've doubted many, many things in my Christian life, as many of you have. But I can honestly say I don't think I've ever doubted that I'm saved. And I think that's, a, that's an assurance issue. Everything's going wrong. Everything, we're, uh, but I just know inside that I'm saved. And I want to ask a question then this morning. Do you know that you are saved? If you're raised in church, it doesn't mean you may have been raised in church and you may go to church, but you've never been saved. You've never taken that step of saying, I know that I need to be born again. I need to be saved. I beg with you this morning that you let this assurance that you are saved go deeply within you and that you don't pretend otherwise. How terrible to pretend you're saved and know how to behave and know how to be goody-goody on Sundays and pretend to your parents that you're really better than... And you know that outside of that, you live a completely different life. I know what I'm talking about. We need to be honest and real. Or you might be on Alpha and you might 
be inquiring. Can I just lovingly say to you, if you, if you hear about this family of God and you want to be part of it, then here's the entry point. You need to be saved. The second part of the process is, <clears throat> when we go through this addition thing, is to be adopted. I'm going to have to go through real quick some of these things. So the first thing is you get saved, and the second thing is, because of you being saved, you get adopted. Look what, look what it says here in Romans 8, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. By which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself, this is assurance, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. No doubt about it, we are children of God. And so we are adopted into the family. We now have, we've become a family member. We've now got the same DNA. And the purpose of this morning's preach on being added is, therefore, because you're saved and now you're adopted into the family, find an address. Root it somewhere. Don't just be vaguely adopted. You know, most adopted kids do know who their adopted mum and dad are. They know where their address is. They've now got a home. My plea to you today is you're saved. You are adopted into the worldwide family of God. Now let that become something real and tangible in your life. Here's the third thing. We're going through this process now, quickly towards the end of being added into, becoming a member of the church. The third thing is baptism. It's interesting that Jesus, his last words to his disciples in Matthew 28 said this, all authority on, on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This is a wonderful statement Sometimes people say, well, Jesus didn't talk much about the church. Well, even the last words he says is all about church. He's talking about making disciples. How do you do that? In a community. Baptizing people. Well, how do you do that? Into a community. Teaching them. When you become a member, you give yourself to the body of teaching of this community. And even the last phrase, I'll be with you always, is about the presence of God. And so here we, I believe Jesus is talking about church planting right there in that passage. He's saying it's not just, some people interpret that passage as go into all the world, full stop. It doesn't say that, go into the world and do the following things. And one of them, clearly the first thing is baptism. So that the indication, if I want to be joined and added to the community, every believer in the Bible that we read about is baptized in water as an outward testimony of the fact that I'm saved. So I'm saved, I've got the DNA in me, and now the first thing I do on my step to becoming a fully-fledged member of this church is I get baptised. And we live in a day where there's all sorts of funny, strange views about baptism, but baptism is very simple. It's saying my past life is over. I go down into the water signifying that my past life is over, the great thing about baptism is we don't leave you under the water. We then raise you up again. Why? Because you now are a new creation. You're declaring to the world. There's nothing magical about the water. The water doesn't do that for you, but it's an outward demonstration of what is happening on the inside. And so that every believer is then baptized. We believe in believer's baptism. Now, we haven't got time to go into this great detail, but 
some of us were baptized as infants. My view on this is I commend that step of faith. I think some parents were saying, look, we're going to do this. But they're doing it without your knowledge. You have not yet been saved and you have not yet understood. So it doesn't negate what your parents were doing as a sign of what they hoped. But there then comes to be a time later on when you say, and now I do believe. Thanks, mum and dad. I now believe myself. So we don't believe in adult baptism. We believe in believer's baptism. And in order for you to become a, a church like New Community, you need to have been baptized. Because this is all part of the process. We don't just wipe that out and think, well, we'll just do something else. So you're saved, you're adopted, and part of the process of being added is you are baptized. So as much as I was saying for a moment ago, make sure you know you're saved, I can say with equal authority, you need to be baptized. Sometimes people say to me, well, I'm just praying about whether or not I should be baptized. I say, let me save you a lot of time. You should be. It's not a thing you need to pray and seek the Lord about or fast about. You'll always come to the same conclusion. It's right. So if you have not yet been baptized, you're missing out. It's just wonderful to take that step and say, do you know what? I know I'm saved. I've never been baptized as a believer with my understanding. I want to. The fourth thing is this. Are we up to this? Number four? Is there anything? Oh, there he goes. Belonging. James just nicked my sermon, but I'll just do it really quickly as he did. How? How? Well, different churches have different ways. We have this thing here called the DNA course, which is a wonderful thing. And if, you, if you're thinking that new community can ought to be your church, not that something you just attend on Sundays, but really be stuck in here, then it's good to go through something whereby you have time to ask questions, to find out what our vision and values are, to see whether you agree with what we believe in. No one's making you a member against your will. It's something you joyfully do. You kind of come and you say, this is the kind of church. I think they really believe the Bible. I think they're open to the Holy Spirit. They seem to be in the grace of God. They seem to love Jesus a lot. They talk about him more than themselves. And I kind of like this community. I feel God has called me. That's important to be part of this community. One day you might leave here and go and live somewhere else. I trust the whole process will start all over again where you go there. But if you're here for now... My appeal is to you, don't just attend. Don't just sit on the edge. Become a member. Become a functioning member of the body of Christ that you're part of. Ask questions. Are these people biblical? Uh, do we believe? It's information. Is this the church for you? Relationships are built. And I have to say this very quickly. Membership is a heart thing. See, we don't get you to sign your name on something. Why don't we do that? Because you can sign your name. I'm committed to be a member of this church. But if your heart's not in it, it's just, a, it's just a signature. It's nothing more. More than a signature. Way more is a heart commitment. I really am feeling I, I belong here. I want to give my heart to this trust, leadership. It's a heart thing. So really quickly, how do we express that? Well, a new community, becoming a member is firstly through committing to becoming to coming regularly on Sunday meetings. We don't talk about this very much. We're not legalistic. We don't judge people when they don't come to things. Praise God we're not into that sort of thing. But surely, 
if this is a priority in your life, then it should dawn on you that it's, it's the most natural thing and the most refreshing thing and the most building up kind of thing I can do when this church gathers is to go there and be with them. No one's making you come. You don't have to. But it would be really, really wonderful if you thought, right, first commitment is when this church gathers, I'm going to be there. And if if I'm not there, it's because a really, really good reason (laughs) or I'm not around that weekend. I understand that. But the sad thing is in this country, more and more pastors are having to realize that members of their churches come twice a month, sometimes just once a month. It's really kind of sad. It's heartbreaking. And I don't know if it's ever occurred to you, but if going back to my little finger, it just stopped coming along, I would in the end start missing it. And you think, well, I don't say anything on Sunday. I just say, you are missed every time you're not around. Because somehow, when you're not here, the body can't function in its entirety in the way that it's meant to. And I, I just want to say this, and this, I, please don't misunderstand. I, I'm trying to be grandfatherly. Please don't... And, oh, there's a lot of stuff we're covering here. I know it's a bit punchy. But there are brothers and sisters of yours in the world today that in order to attend when the church community gathers is of enormous challenge to them. But they do it anyway. A thought of persecution, thought of maybe being taken before the authorities, as is just happening again with some of the churches in New Frontiers in a certain country in the Middle East right now. I mean, it's just, and I know that there are people who have to walk for miles on a Sunday morning through terrible conditions just to meet with them. And do you know what? They have to walk all the way back again afterwards. And you wake up in the morning, I just feel like a bit of a break from church this morning. It's important to realize there is a cost sometimes. How many of us ever wake up on a Sunday morning and think the last thing I want to do is go to church this morning? You need to get over that. And you just come, and when you're here, you go, why on earth did I think of being anywhere else? It's been so wonderful. Secondly, when at New Community, becoming a member is that you commit to a midweek community or course. Do you know what I think the body of Christ is? It's soil. And I've become a Christian, I've been saved, and I've been baptized, and I've been part of this church, and it's like I am planted as a seed into soil I love the local church it's where I grow it's where I realize what I'm good at it's where I realize what I'm bad at it's where I it's where I get people who challenge me where people laugh with me and where people weep with me it's a place where I can be honest and open and really honest and open and talk about you know I I I don't want this to be a church where we just come in on a Sunday morning feeling terrible and awful with a most dreadful week and this morning the kids were up late and well that's never going to happen but anyway um, you know the the wife took a long time to get ready to come or something like that and you just you arrive in absolute frenzy and you come through the door and someone says good morning how are you said praise the Lord I just am wonderful thank you very much (laughs) no you're not inside you're seething it's all horrible. Let's be into it. I love the fact that I'm not just a Sunday Christian and that I'm part of a family and therefore I join myself into community where I can be made a disciple and the soil is where I begin to grow and I can deepen relationships. You can't relate to everybody who's in this room here today. So that's why we have smaller groups so that you can be added in communities and courses and build relationships. Number three, 
We get committed to serving, James mentioned this, helping out on various teams that enable the church to support and reach people. This means action. This means doing something. This church, right across all the venues, there's so much that goes on. You just see some of us that are here publicly. We're just a tiny, tiny part of what goes on when church gathers. There are hundreds of people that serve. Won't you? So I love people when they commit to new community, that they come to as many Sundays as they can. They get stuck into something beyond Sundays, but also start to serve. Serving is so cool. It's where you learn a whole load of things. And there is a cost to serving, but it's a good cost. Number four, committing to give financially. Saying my heart is here and I'm investing my money too. How weird is it to be a full-blown member of a church community and never give anything? They never give any finances. Or even how weird to give as little as I possibly can. (laughs) You see, anything that's a priority in your life, you spend money on. And this thing we're a part of, we might look at this in a few weeks' time, is this the most glorious thing happening on planet Earth. It, it's the, you know, everything else in life is temporal and fading away. We give all our energy and time and money into that. And then we start to realize that the body of Christ is eternal. She goes beyond the end of time. What a, what a wonderful investment. To invest in something of eternal value. My plea to you is don't think you're giving your money away to some smoke and it's not going to happen. But actually something that is eternal. And then finally, committing ourselves to the leaders and their vision and inviting them to speak into your life. Accountability, such a good thing. I need accountability in my life. I praise God that I'm in a local church where brothers and sisters love me enough to tell me the truth and to speak into my life. I might not like it, but I know I need it. And I love to be in a church that's like this, where we can commit to that vision together. Where I'm not just an attender, but I really am a member. And there is a difference between those two things. And from a pastoring, we come to an end, from a pastoral point of view, this is really a big deal. Because if we're shepherds of the flock, it's an old-fashioned way of looking at it, but we need to know who the flock is. Who am I responsible for? And who will I give an account to before God on judgment day? Do you know I'm going to have to do that on how I shepherded the people of God? I've got to know who you are. And that's why membership is so vital and so important. To be frank, if you're getting drunk every Friday night and you're not a member of this church, I don't really have an awful lot to say to you other than That's not a good idea or a good witness if you're a Christian. I can say that to anybody, I think, who's a Christian, even if I just meet them on the bus. And I find they're getting drunk every Friday night. I say, that's not really a good idea. But if you've committed and you're a member of something, then I feel I have got your permission to say to me, not only is that not good, it's got to stop. Why? Because we have a body of people here. And we want to keep the purity of the body of Christ to be as it is. It's so very, very important There's this wonderful little verse in the Bible that says, come with us and we'll do you good. I really do believe that's the bottom line. Come with us and we'll do you good. Some of you, you know, you've got non-Christian husband or non-Christian wife. You have to understand the grace of God is really, really important for you. Some of you might be sitting here thinking, I can't give my money. My husband's not a Christian. My wife's not coming along and I can't really commit it and I can't get to it. We totally, totally understand that. I had a conversation with a guy who was not a Christian, 
and his wife was, and she was one of those very zealous Christians. And I, I was talking to him. I knew he'd become a Christian in this church somewhere else. And I said, tell me, tell me your story. How did you get saved? So he said, well, my wife was a Christian. She came to everything. I couldn't stand it. It was absolutely terrible. And then one day she, she tempered, tempered it. What do you mean tempered it? Well, she used to put tracts under my pillow at night, and she used to <laughs> always invite me. This will be really good for you, and you really need... And then one day it all stopped. And I also actually got to know blokes in the church a little bit more, and I got friendly with some of them, and I thought, they're really nice guys. And through that process, I went on Alpha, and I got saved. And one day, he said, my wife used to be so at me, and then one day, she wasn't. What happened? He said, well, we told her, calm down. You, you, you won't save your husband by constantly being at him. And he said, I was so grateful that they said that, because before that, it was like going to, to bed with Billy Graham every night. <laughs> If you're married to a non-Christian partner, whatever, you, you just need to understand that we understand. Don't go away from here to condemn because I can't. And you win your husband or your wife, not by the words that you say, but by the way that you live. I want to close with this. Some of us here this morning, it's time to review our membership. Is my heart still in it? Am I really relationally connected or do I just attend meetings? I used to really be enthusiastic, but have I diluted my membership? Am I really involved in this community beyond Sundays? Have I become a new community attender, not really joined? I'm saved, I'm baptized, but now it doesn't really mean much to me. Membership is a past thing. I want to say to you, membership should always be a living reality. It's a today thing. There are always new ways to serve, new ways to give. It's got to mean something, hasn't it? Church has changed maybe as the years have gone by, but you haven't managed to change with it. You're still stuck in the past. This is a strange illustration. I'm still trying to be grandfatherly if I can, but sometimes you have to get off a bus in order to look up where it's going to see whether you should get back on it again. And some of us need to do that, honestly. There's no point just going along with the crowd. You need to say, I'm here because God's called me. I have a part to play in this community. The reality is there's always a back door. No one ever keeps you in this. You're never, ever kept against your will. You can always move out. Obviously, no one wants that to happen. But my plea would be to be honest and know where your commitment is right now. Shall we stand together? I'd like the band to come back, please. We're going to sing a song. I've raised four things. Four things that, I mean, I can't come to the end of this word. I know some of you have got to go and get your kids any moment now. But I can't come to the end of this preach. It would be remiss of me not to ask for a response. This is a word you need to respond to. If you're not saved, and you know you're not saved, and you want to be, you need Jesus. If you're not saved because you realize I've been brought up in a Christian family, and I've drifted along with it all, but in reality, I've never made that. I think this morning is an opportunity for you to state it. I'm going to ask you as we sing this song, it's a brave thing to do, but I'm going to ask you if you just come, I'm going to be here at the front. I am grand grandfatherly after all. <laughs> we don't bite. And just say to you, why don't you make this statement? 
saying, I'm not, gonna, I'm not just going to be raised in a Christian family, raised in New Community Church or raised Christian from an African Christian culture. Perhaps you're going to say, I know I as an individual need to be saved. Secondly, if you have been saved and you've never been baptised, I want you to come out the front to say, I am nailing my flag to the mask. I'm going to do this. I remember I had become a Christian and there was an appeal for baptism. And I had a load of my friends around me who were cool and were not Christians. And the moment the appeal for baptism was, I shot out the front because I, wanted, I didn't want to go back. And I wanted to say it's now or never. I do want to say at the earliest opportunity that I can be, I want to be baptised. Thirdly, if you are not a member and you know that this morning God has convicted you and said to you, you're not an attender anymore. You need to be joined and added. It's good. I want you to come to the front as well and say, I am going to start the journey. I'm really going to do that. I'm committing today so I don't go from this meeting and then change my mind afterwards. I'm convicted. I need to be a member. No more attending. No more lone Christianity. I'm going to join and add myself to this community. And then finally, this is a, this is a strange one, but it's important. If you know that your membership of new community has just drifted and it's just become, it needs to be, be reboot, rebooted. It needs to come alive to gain, again. I really want to encourage you. Make a step forward. Say, I've just been drifting. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do this. So there are four very clear things to respond to this morning. And no one's going to be looking at you thinking, I wonder which one of those you're responding to. But rather that we're responding because it's before God and Him alone. You're coming to Jesus.